turn to Genesis chapter 2, if you would, please. Verse 7. I, uh, I don't know if, if what I feel in my spirit is any indication of how things might go tonight, then I think we're in for some fun. I, I had let Brother Timothy know I don't, didn't want to stream this message tonight. It is going to be recorded. Um, the audio will, so that's available. There's a, there's a few things behind that. First of all, it gives me and you and us and all of us here accountability to our oversight. When Bishop is not here, he has every right and the ability to go and listen to our services, our ministry. And so um, that's the for first and foremost reason in my mind why we, why I want everything that I say to the congregation to be um, available to him, whether that's here in person or s through some recording. Secondly, in case uh, you as the body want to go back and listen to it, re-listen to it, or study it, share it, anything like that. So I'll just uh, mention again, just because you won't see this tonight on Facebook or on YouTube, the audio is still there. It goes to our podcast, and so we have iTunes podcasts. If you search Life Church Union Gap on iTunes podcasts, you'll find it there. And if you go to SoundCloud, is that right? and search the same on SoundCloud, Life Church Union Gap, you'll find it there. Thank you, Brother Timothy, for your efforts with, with that as well. <coughs> I feel like the Lord had given me a question. Let me, I'm just going to preface this with a few thoughts here. Um, I have been asked, and I've done a few letters of... I, I called it a request for a religious exemption to a vaccination. And um, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm willing to do it for any, anyone else that I've not done it for yet, if you so desire and if it could be helpful to you. Um, I'm willing to do that as the pastor of the congregation here. Um, but I, I, it's nothing too, too um, fancy or or anything, but I felt like I just tried to do a little bit of my own research for what a letter such as that should look like, and then, with the Lord's help, put some of those thoughts into the letter. But tonight, I feel like we might expound on that a little bit together. Um, I don't expect for this lesson to just be about vaccines. I, that's not what I feel like the Lord is doing, but, but the question that he has given me, or given us, is how do I use my God-given conscience? How do I use my God-given conscience? So, simply with that question, we are implying that God has given us a conscience, each one of us, and this is where I would firstly derive that that notion that idea that thought or I, what I would say is that fact Genesis 2 verse 7 and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground God made man out of dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils you guys know where your nostrils are Yes. It's those holes in your nose. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So in case you, that picture is not clear enough, God made a, the human form of a body complete with everything we know of it to have, including nostrils. So he made that structure of a body and it was just that. It was just a structure of a body. It was a human body with no life in it. It's really just a fancy 
piece of dust. And I, I say that facetiously. Uh, we know there is so much detail beyond what we could even comprehend as to how the human body functions. And I, I'm of the opinion that before he breathed the breath of life into the nostrils, there were small and large intestines there. There were fingernails there. He might have had hair on his shins, I don't know. But the, he, the body was there. Everything that makes up the human body was there. And then God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. So before, it, before man became a living soul, it was just whatever God fashioned through the dust. How he makes eyelashes out of dust, I have no idea, but he's God and he can do it. Or how he makes eyeballs or the in, the, all the little detail that goes inside. If you've ever been in the eye doctor and you see those posters on the wall, you know it's not just a... There's everything, and the diagrams point to this and that and this and that. and That's just the eye. There's the same for your ear. There's the same for your mouth. There's the same for your throat. There's the same for your digestive system. There's the same for all of these bodily uh, parts that we know of and systems that we have. That's how God, that's the, that's the degree that God went to. And then he breathed and it became a living soul. That term soul is really where I get what I would call the, the thought or the fact that we have a God-given conscience. Uh, I don't know if is it that movie Pinocchio where you learn about a conscience. I, I don't remember that movie. I probably watched it when I was a little kid. But there was the cricket, right? And I don't know what uh, that, that could be right or wrong. I don't remember. But... But there, there, we know of cartoon depictions and we know of other stories that would depict a conscience. Sometimes they talk about the good angel on one shoulder and the bad angel on one shoulder. I don't know. Think of that however you want to. But the conscience is really what we call, and even this, this term uh, used in the, in the Hebrew language for soul, a living soul, part of that is the inner man. The inner man. There was no inner man with life in him before God breathed the breath of life into him. But with the breath of life came an inner man that was alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. First Corinthians 15:45. Paul's writing here to the church at Corinth, and he, he mentions a part of this verse we just read in Genesis 2, verse 7. So he says, "And so it is written, "The first man, Adam, was made a living soul." That's what we just read. God breathed the breath of life to the body and it became a living soul. The conscience. The inner man. And if you look up the word soul in Genesis and then look up the word soul in 1 Corinthians, in these two verses, you see similar meaning. It's not talking about something completely unrelated. It is referring to what we just read and learned in Genesis chapter 2. Man became a living... Man, Adam was made a living soul. The first Adam. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's just a little bit of groundwork proving that we have a soul, a living inner man. Part of that soul. So that soul, just to go a little bit further with this, that soul is completely separate, distinct from my body. 
right? That's kind of why we looked at the order in which God did these. The body can exist without the soul. I mean, it's not alive, but it's there for however long it's there until it decomposes without the soul in it. And that means the soul is there without the body. They, they are different, different elements. There's a third element that's the spirit. I don't intend to really dwell on that tonight. But we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. My soul doesn't feel when I hold my hand over a hot stove. I mean, it, it eventually gets the message, but it's not the thing that gets burned. That's my body. My soul doesn't know whether the candles are lit or not. It, it eventually gets the message when my body does its function and smells, but that sense is related to my body and not my soul. Right? My soul is, in the inner man, my mind. Draw a distinction between a mind and a brain. Okay? It's not my brain. My brain is a part of my body. Anybody that's ever had a brain injury can attest that they didn't have a soul injury when they had a brain injury. Correct? There's a difference. That's my mind. The thoughts that, that take place in here. It's my consciousness. And it is my... Another part of this is my emotions. My emotions are tied to my soul. Not to my body. Not to my spirit. It's the inner man. The inner man has feelings, emotions, separate from the physical feelings and the touch and taste, smell, and all those things. So, so my inner man, my soul, is my conscience. It's what I think and it's what I feel inside me. Everybody still with me? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Brother Hart mentioned this passage on Sunday. And the Lord had kind of, he just gave me a note that I wrote in my Bible. We didn't go that direction. But let me just show you. I'm going to read the first five verses here. And I'm reading the first four, basically, to get you the context of the fifth verse. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, means they're listening to, giving heed to. People are going to depart the faith because they're listening to foreign doctrines, doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You understand? You see what happens there? That conscience is the soul. It's what we're talking about. God gave us a conscience, but my conscience is susceptible to anything that's not godly. I can, I can damage my conscience by, by letting it be filled with the ungodly. So here's some of the uh, some of the examples of these doctrines of devils and what seducing spirits would want to have you think. Forbidding to marry. Why in the world would anybody ever just say, you can't get married? We have a rule around here that we just don't let people get married. Okay, well, I won't see you in a few generations then. Unless your rule also includes violating other parts of the word of God. You see where I'm going with that? If you don't marry, you can't procreate, and therefore you, there will be no more of you. Unless you do so in an ungodly fashion. 
forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats. Now we're just going to talk about this for just a minute. My lesson is not about meat. It's not about marriage. It's not about vaccines. It's about the conscience, what we're talking about tonight. But the, the, the conscience, the God-given conscience in this context gets seared or burned, harmed, damaged. It gets seared by what happens in my brain when I'm listening, when my, in my mind, excuse me, what happens in my mind when I'm listening to teachings and doctrines or thoughts that are not of God. Commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Thank the Lord he made bacon. Thank the Lord he made sausage. I didn't hear as many amens on that one. You need to eat it the way my wife cooks it. And some red sauce, some noodles. Mmm. My birthday's too long gone. <clears throat> God made these meats to be received with thanksgiving. Of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving. Next verse. For it is sanctified. This is what Brother Hart talked about on Sunday. It is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Notice that those items are not standalone. They go together. The word of God and prayer. If the word of God tells me that I can eat steak, then I pray for that steak I express thanksgiving for it, and then I eat it. And I'm not wasting a lot more time than that. The, the note that I wrote in my Bible said, pray for the food, then eat with confidence. And that's not just steak, but what, what's put in front of you. You be thankful for it, and you eat it. Last night it was chicken. Oh, that was good. Whew, made just right, grilled, seasoned with rice. Mm. Thank the Lord. It was sanctified by the word of God in prayer, and, and it did its job. It sustained the, the body. It, it might have even pleased the senses, satisfied the emotions. <laughs> because it's what I needed at the time that I had it. So I was thankful for it. Amen? God gives you a conscience, and he gives you instruction how to use the conscience. Now, let me give you another example. If, what do we have? We have fruit on Sunday, Right? The youth had those fruit cups after service. Those were, that was great. It was refreshing. It was just what I needed, man, with that seasoning on it. It was perfect. There might still be some left in a garbage can around here somewhere. And if you're hungry, you might go find it and eat it. Well, let's, let's, let's think about that. Hunger. It depends on how hungry, right? And how desperate you just might be. I am more desperate to try and maintain a healthy overall body. And I know that if I consume something that's been sitting in the trash for a week there's a likelihood that it could do more damage than good to my body. That's my conscience at work. You realize that? It's my conscience telling me, you probably shouldn't eat that. 
You know, just like if there's some left on the bottom of my son's shoe. I don't think I want to eat that. But you get in a different situation and that same conscience could tell you there's a big risk to eating this, but there's also a risk to eating nothing and dying if you're in such a hard way. Then your conscience is telling you Pray and eat with thankfulness. You see how, see how the conscience, is, it works. It, that's how I use it. I, I know what the Word of God tells me, and then I know what His Spirit inside me is telling me. It's giving me instruction, do or don't do, or maybe give some further thought before you do either one. That's my conscience at work. But in normal circumstances, I'm going to pray and I'm going to eat with confidence. Don't have time to go into this in, in full detail, but, but Paul, Paul said, we'll get there for a little bit of this. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, no, Romans, sorry. 14. It's maybe 1 Corinthians. But he's talking about meat that's offered to idols. Okay, now we have a little bit different scenario. Paul did say, I know that to me nothing is unclean of itself to eat. I can eat anything. And he's not even just talking about the Jewish diet anymore. Anything. The Lord's given me the green light to eat it. But... If somebody comes and says, I prepared this meal for you. Actually, no. I prepared it for this god or goddess over here. But they had enough on their altar, so here's some extra. Now Paul's saying, hang on, my conscience is starting to get a little bit violated. It's like the spidey sense is tingling. Who did you say this was for? Okay, no thanks. I'm not going to eat that today. He's exercising the conscience. He also has to exercise his conscience in a reverse. I saw a picture the other day. It's kind of funny, kind of scary, kind of weird. But it was one of those memes, and it, had, it was a lady cooking in her kitchen, and she had her big fluffy cat up on the, on the counter there. And I think it was kind of hovering over one of the dishes. And the picture said, this is why I don't like potlucks. <laughs> well, put Paul in a scenario where he's got food that if it was up to him, he might not eat. But the person that's offering it to him is so happy and proud and I made this for you, Apostle, and I really hope you like it. Now his conscience is telling him, that looks disgusting. But if I don't eat it, I'm going to offend the person that made it for me. The conscience is at work. It works in both ways. In one instance, it's telling him not to eat. No matter how good it looks, Man, that Mongolian beef, whoo, prepared just right. But as it wasn't for me, I'm not going to eat it. And then this, whatever this is, prepared all wrong, but it was made for me with love, and if I don't eat it, I'm going to offend the cook. So he eats it. He's, he's saying, listen to the conscience and do what it's telling you to do in the circumstance. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. We'll start at verse 12. A couple of different verses I want you to see in this passage. But this verse is pretty, pretty popular. There's a common phrase in here that I want you to see how it applies to how I use my God-given conscience. Paul says to the Philippians, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, 
You're a good, obedient group of people. As you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Don't just obey when I'm there with you, but in my absence obey. And he says, not as in my presence only, but now in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Another way of putting that is exercise your God-given conscience that will tell you what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how. Work out your own salvation. Now, you got to know, Paul's hearing from the Lord and writing these letters and giving these instructions. And if this was me, and I was writing this letter, knowing it's going to the whole church at Philippi, and all the different people are going to read this and apply it, when the Lord says, through Paul, work out your own salvation, and Paul knows, uh, are you sure about that, Lord? Because it's kind of like you're telling Brother Gary and Brother Manuel, they can decide what they think is right for themselves. I mean, shouldn't we just both tell them both the same thing? Wouldn't that be so much easier? That's what it says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Exercise the conscience that God gave you and you will know if you're doing right or wrong. The fear and trembling part here is a pretty key factor because it's not just, oh, whatever, we'll see how today goes and we'll see if I feel like doing this today or not. No, it is the, it is the attitude, it is the mindset, the mentality that we go into the day with thinking, I have to honor God. The fear is reverence or honor. I have to honor God with every part of my day, everything that impacts me working out my own salvation, i got to take it seriously. Fear and trembling. Now, you've, I know many of you have heard this. He, when Paul says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2, I was with you in, in weakness and in much trembling. It's the same thing. In that context, we're, th we're talking about how Paul is, oh, he's just yielding on the spirit and ministry, and it's so powerful, and I'm not using my own words, enticing words of men's wisdom, but I'm waiting on the Lord, and he's operating through me, and this spiritual ministry is taking place only because I got there with, the, with weakness and, and trembling. Now put that into this, because with fear... And trembling speaks to having the same disposition as what he had in that passage. Be serious about how you live, about your decisions, about working out your own salvation. Now let me just say, this doesn't mean we get to say what we, whatever we think is right. In case anybody saw that and said, oh, I can make up my own. No, not make up. Not make up your own salvation. Work out your own. That means live it. Do it. Fulfill it. We wouldn't say that you're in great shape because you made up a great exercise routine. Would we? Oh, you're there, such a good planner. You ought to see his biceps. He can make a list a mile long. He can make the, the best exercise routine for anybody to follow. Okay, is he actually doing No, he's not doing it. Now, that's the same as making up my own salvation and saying, oh, I think I'll do this and this, and I don't have to do that. Don't worry about this and that. No. Working it out. Action. I'm using my God-given conscience to act. Romans 14, verse 1. No, sorry, go back there, Brother Matt. Philippians chapter 2. We just read that. Look at verse 5. 
Let this, mind, this is the context that Paul said, work out your own salvation. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, the guy that lived every moment of every day in complete, full submission and obedience to the Father. Let that mind be in you, and you're going to have no problem working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Next, uh, verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even you got that mindset, you got that mind in you, that mentality, again, you're going to have no problem approaching your own salvation in the right frame of mind, with the right conscience. I've got to be, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a great way, a great test. Tell yourself, I've got to be as serious as Jesus about this decision. When I'm working out my own salvation, I'm exercising this God-given conscience. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Now, I mentioned a minute ago that I've written this letter. It's the same basic format that I've given to each individual that's, that's asked for it. But it, in it, it says, I, I would have just read it for, to you verbatim, really. But it says, a core belief that we hold is that God has given us a conscience. That's paraphrasing. We believe, it's a core belief of ours, that God's given us a conscience. Part of the, this conscience includes areas of health and well-being. Just like God expects me to work out my own salvation, He expects me to live a healthy life. Make healthful decisions. I'm not going to the dumpster every time I'm hungry. Why? Because I need to be a little bit more healthy than that. I'm not just... Okay, I don't want to get too graphic on you. I'll spare you that one. I'm cooking my food before I eat it. Why? Because I, I know that God's given me a conscience. And he said... <laughs> It, I, I've seen and I've heard and I've read enough to know that if you don't cook this meat the right way, there's a good chance you're going to be regretting it tomorrow. I'm exercising my conscience. So part of our core belief is that God's given us a conscience and that now He expects me to exercise it. Including areas, not just, but including areas of health and well-being. So if I feel like Somebody telling me to do something violates my God-given conscience. I have the responsibility of obeying my God-given conscience. Romans 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. Next verse. For one believeth that he may eat all things. We're talking about food, but we're applying it to our conscience. One believeth. That means in his conscience, his mind is telling him. You got that? One believeth that he may eat all things. Another, who is weak, eateth, herbs. Next verse. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. 
Both of you gentlemen are exercising your God-given conscience in this scenario. It just so happens to be that they are opposite instructions. I'm not going to have a problem if, a, if somebody comes to me and says, I think God told me I need to get this vaccine. I'm good with that. I'm not going to have a problem if somebody comes to me and says, I feel like God doesn't want me to get this vaccine. All right, put that in this same passage. Let him that doeth it not judge him that doesn't do it, and vice versa. One believeth, see? One believeth that they should do this. The other one believes they should do this. We don't, we don't just like to sit around and argue. Now, some of us love a good, healthy debate more than others. Let him that loveth not the healthy debate judge not him that loveth the healthy debate. We're going to preach to ourselves here. For God hath received him. Next verse. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. I like this, I like this next. If, if meat and, and vegetarian diets aren't enough to to make the point, then Paul goes into what, what translates to me as holidays. Observance of holidays. Or any day. One man esteemeth one day above another. He thinks this day's special. He celebrates every year on this date on the calendar. Or... He's got a weekly routine, and on this day every week, he does this. Why? Because he esteems that day more than or above other days. Another man esteemeth every day alike. I don't care what day it is on the calendar. They're all the same to me. They're 24 hours, the sun comes up, and then the sun goes down. They're all the same to me. What do you do in that situation? Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, notice we did not see words like right and wrong anywhere in here. Did we? We didn't see words like correctly and incorrectly. Did we? I will give you this. We saw the word weak. But it said, him that is weak, receive ye him. And be okay with his weakness. Not to doubt, not, you're not just trying to find all the weird people that have all the weird beliefs so you can tell them how wrong they are. This is the key to me right here. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Let me remind you, the mind is a part of your conscience. It's a part of your soul. God made you. Look at somebody else and say, God made you. God made you and God made them living souls. Inclusive of that living soul is your mind, your conscience. When the problem comes when I'm not fully persuaded 
That's, when, that's what opens the door to all this stuff. I've been fully persuaded since day one, or since whatever, January of 2020, I've been fully, fully persuaded that I, the Lord's got my health in His hands. Since, not, not since 2020, since way before then, when the Lord started to show me and prove to me with days and weeks and months and years of history, I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I am your healer. That didn't change on, in March of 2020. It didn't change anywhere in 2020. It didn't change. It's not changing this year. I think, I think that really the situation is a lot of us are being put into situations we've never been in before where we have to find out how persuaded am I? Am I a little persuaded? Do I have some belief? Or am I fully? Everyone say fully. Am I fully persuaded? Now, I will listen if you want to come and try to tell me why I shouldn't give my kids Christmas presents on December 25th. I will listen. But you know what? I'm fully persuaded that I'm okay doing that. I don't, I, we don't splurge. We don't go extravagant. So if that's your argument, that's not going to work. But I'm okay. I'm fully persuaded that I am not displeasing the Lord by doing so. If you want to try and come and tell me health benefits of fill in the blank, I'll listen. I will listen. But I'm fully persuaded that my health is in the hands of God. If you try to come and tell me all of the reasons not to do something because of all of the risks, I will listen. See, I believe that God's given me this thing called a brain that actually is able to learn and do research just like I learned I don't eat the gum off the bottom of my shoe. Thank the Lord. He's cleared that one up for me. Through the work of my brain and through the work of my conscience, through the work of His wisdom in me. Look at verse 13 here. We're in Romans 14, verse 13. Let us therefore not, that's an important word not to leave out. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I have to make sure that my life, my actions, my decisions, my choices don't become an offense or an opportunity for offense or stumbling in the life of somebody else. You say, oh, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of pressure. No, it's not. I don't put weight and pressure on myself. I let the Lord tell me. I exercise my God-given conscience in every scenario. And I let him decide, do this, don't do this. Get the shot, don't get the shot. I let him decide. I'm confident that I can hear from him. That's a big key. 
If I'm not confident that I can hear from him, then I'm not confident in making, letting him make that decision. There's a question I would ask you. How do you know if you're hearing from God? We don't have time to go down that road tonight. But it's worth asking. How do I know I'm hearing from God? How do I get fully persuaded in my mind that what I heard was from the Lord and not my neighbor or my sister or anybody else? I'm almost done. Verse 14. I know and am persuaded. I mentioned this verse earlier. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Not days on the calendar. Not food. There's nothing unclean of itself. Okay. I'm trying to be done. I, 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 might have, I don't think I was the only one that just thought this. You're telling me that October 31st is not unclean? It's a day on the calendar. There's nothing unclean of itself. It's not any more clean or dirty than October 30th or November 1st. It's a day on the calendar. Activities that take place on any day, they can either be clean or unclean. The spirits that influence those activities can either be clean or unclean. But somebody just needs to know a date of itself is not unclean. There is nothing unclean of itself. Why? Because God made it. Nothing got here by itself. We don't just have random Fridays that nobody knows how they happened. Nothing got here by itself. Mystery meat, that might be a real thing. I don't know. But of itself, nothing is unclean. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Paul is, through the Lord, through Paul, the Lord is giving you a license to determine clean versus unclean. Not for me. You don't get to decide that for me or your neighbor. You decide that for you. To him that esteemeth anything to be unclean. To him it is unclean. That means take it seriously when the Lord gives you cautions about anything. Take it seriously. Don't think, oh, I don't want to be responsible for knowing that. I'm just not going to listen. That's a dangerous, dangerous attitude. Take it seriously. With fear and trembling, that's what the scripture said. When the Lord gives you caution, when the Lord gives you reservations about something, stop, pray, listen. Verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. There's not a lot of peace in this world. And it seems like there's getting less and less of it. it you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about that is that it becomes more and more evident when it is something that you're following after. The, 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 the more disrest, the more disruption, unrest, and disruption that we see in the world, the more evident the things that make for peace 
become. If I tell you you have three doors, choose door one, door two, or door number three, and you hear people yelling and screaming behind doors one and two, I think you're going to choose door number three. It's the thing that makes for peace. It becomes clear and obvious. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Next verse. For meat destroy not the work of God. The work that God has done and is doing is far more important than any dietary restrictions a person might or might not have. I guess I'll put it this way. Than any dietary convictions a person might or might not have. Don't destroy the work that God's doing simply because you find a fault or the Lord's told you something different than what he's told somebody else. All things indeed are pure. That's just like saying there's nothing unclean of itself. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. The pure becomes evil when you are participating in it with offense. I don't want to be offended. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you search my soul right now. God, any of these things that you're illuminating into my spirit, into my soul, I don't want it to be an occasion for offense, Lord. I don't want to be offended at you. I don't want to be offended at other people. Lord, I don't want to be offended at myself. God, I want to have a clear conscience. I want to have a pure conscience, Lord Jesus. I want my mind to be made up of that which is pure, Jesus. I want my spirit to be made up of that which is pure and clean and holy. Father, I know that you are holy. All that you've made is holy. All that you've created and given us, Lord, it's holy. It is right. It is pure. Lord, it's sanctified by the word and by prayer. Lord, I want my life to be one that only allows the sanctified into it. Only that which is sanctified by the Word, only that which is washed and cleansed by the Word, purified by the Word, God, and done in prayer, Lord, done with thanksgiving. God, if I can't be thankful over a situation, I don't even want it in my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray let these become the things that mark my life. Let these become the things, the decisions, the thoughts, God, the activities that mark my life. God, I'm surrendering it all to you right now. I believe you would give us a fresh start, Lord. I believe you would give us a fresh anointing, a purity, Lord Jesus, that comes from you. Jesus, all things are clean to you. All things are pure if they come from you. In the name of Jesus, build up my mind, I pray, O God. Build up my conscience, Lord Jesus. Build up my spirit, O God. I want to have a strong inner man. God, I want to have one that is solid. I want to have one that is sure and secure. One that's founded on your word. One that's founded on you, Jesus. There is all truth in you. All truth in you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, if you want to stand, you can stand. But I just want us to continue in a season of prayer here for a little bit. I feel the Lord is doing work in our, in our lives, in our souls. 
Jesus, I open up my soul to you. God, I want this to be a space that you can live in and work in. I want this to be a space that you can operate through. In the name of Jesus, all things are open before you, Jesus. All things are open and honest before you. You see all, Lord Jesus. You know all, Lord God. Even that which others don't see. You know it, Lord. You know it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I want to have a right attitude. I want to have a right mindset. Jesus, I want to think properly. God, I want to have a true understanding. In the name of Jesus, touch my spirit, Lord. Touch my spirit, Lord. Quicken my spirit, I pray, Lord, that I would live and follow after the things of your spirit. God, that my spirit would be fused together with yours. God, that I would live a life through your spirit. I want my, my attitudes, my thoughts, God, my decisions, I want them to be made through the leading of your spirit. I want them to be made through the sound of your voice. In the name of Jesus, I surrender to you right now. I surrender to you right now. In the name of Jesus, God, if there's thoughts that I've held on to, God, if there's mindsets that I've held on to that are rooted in anything but you, God, I want you to deal with them. I want you to deal with them, Lord. You bring correction. You bring reproof and instruction. Jesus, I know you do it lovingly. I know that you do it with much care. God, because you love each one of us. You love each one of us, God. You would put your mind in us, Lord. You would put a new heart in us, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thy will be done. Thy will be done, Father. Thy will be done, Jesus. Thy will be done, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Father. I say yes to you, Lord. I say yes to you, Lord. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for wisdom, Lord. Thank you for understanding, Jesus. Thank you for peace. Come on, I feel the peace of the Lord. It's just swept into this room right now. It's here for you. Lay hold of it. Come on, lay hold of it. The Lord's giving you His peace right now. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to transform the situation that you're living in. Give you one of peace. Give you one of peace. In the name of Jesus, Lord, Your peace is the most beautiful thing that I can know. It is the most beautiful thing that I can live with and experience. It's Your peace, Father. It's not what this world has to offer. Lord, it's not what I can find anywhere else. Only in You. It's Your peace. It's Your peace. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive Your peace tonight, Jesus. I receive it tonight, Lord God. I believe it's going to help me put situations to rest. Lord, it's going to help me put issues to rest. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Ikata haye ando lo sata haye Iando yo sata haye I thank you for it. Before we go, I'm just going to open this front. If, if there's anyone here that would like prayer specifically over this area of peace, I've, I really feel like the Lord moved in here in, in such a way that he's here to minister specifically that right